Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is August 13th, 2020, and it's Thursday. And it's a pretty interesting Thursday. Like I said, drop it like it's hot. We've had some really cray-cray developments out in the Middle East, just on the heels of me explaining to you just how important the geographical region is. Uh, You know, what happened today between the peace treaty, as they say, peace agreement, as they say, between the United Emirates and Israel is huge. Remember, the UAE didn't even recognize Israel as a nation, so... I'm just saying there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, So we have a lot to talk about. Uh, You know, this morning I had tons of fun. I I went to a friend of mine um, who has a business in the city, right, in the heart of the city, where they actually trade, buy, sell, you know, um, heavy-duty restaurant equipment. Anyway, so as we were having conversation, uh, they had a conversation with someone. uh, I think it was like last weekend. And that other someone, Nick, was totally red-pilling him, telling him everything, everything there is to know, from dumbs to, man, see, this is it, guys. Good job, Nick. I mean, I need to buy Nick a beer. This is what we should be doing, guys. We should be having conversations. We should be waking the masses. We should be exchanging information. We should be talking to each other because this is the only way. We win 2020. 2016 was a shot of hope. Hope that soon and quickly people would understand that voting for President Trump was the right thing to do for the nation, regardless of how they felt. Regardless, I mean, Hillary tick, a Hillary ticket along with Kane, that was a KKK ticket, right? Killary and Kane pretty insane ticket, but there were people that actually voted for that, believe it or not. They like establishment. But now that we've broken out of that mold of establishment, what's holding us back now aside from lies, 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 and lies? It's the media. The media, which is just an extension of this globalist cabal. The same media that went after the president the minute he said, well, hold on a second, you're not bringing, you know, this pandemic over to my nation. No, 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 hoax. And they were like, you said hoax? That sounded the alarms across the globe to come at President Trump. That would have been the easiest 25th Amendment in any way, shape, or form. So he was like, you know what? I'll take what was intended for evil and turning it into good. That's the way it goes. And so here we are. Man, today we have a lot to talk about, don't we? So much. And, you know, we might be getting a little bit of that gate action. I hope you guys have popcorn somewhere stored, maybe this evening, maybe manana. You're going to know. Have your alert buttons on. You're going to know. Might be a nice nightcap. Who knows? But it'll be an interesting time for you guys to see what's on the back end. So we all saw the Joho ticket. Totally a flop. I mean, the memes are flying already. You know, and, and using her, you know, 
uh, using the mattress memes. Totally love it, right? Totally love it because she deserves it because that's how she climbed. But what we should do is stray away from that and, you know, reinforcing the fact that she's not black because even her Jamaican daddy was an Indian migrant to Jamaica, let's just say. Uh, What we should be using is what she's done, in office, what she did as an attorney general, how she hid information and sent people to death row, how she was all about convictions and didn't care if you were innocent. She just wanted to win. How she lied about smoking marijuana, listening to Tupac when Tupac wasn't even out when that was happening. But she did round up almost everybody and their mother for smoking marijuana, correct? You know, she is the one that called people between the age of 18 and 24 stupid. And that's why they throw them into dormitories. I have that sound clip for you. You know, what do you mean stupid? It's us stupid people between 18 and 24 that have served this nation. That's the time that most of them do. So my kid's stupid. My kid entered at the age of 18. Ready to go. So were you saying that those are stupid because it was 17, 18, 19, and 20 years old that gave their life in Normandy? This is who they put up, the one that is calling the dildo waivers for what they are, which is oh, hindered in their mental faculties. But the thing is, facts. We got to stick to the things that matter. Even though we want to say a lot and we want to use the low jabs, we got to stick with the, with the facts. Uh, you know, every time someone says, oh, you're voting for Trump, you're white supremacist. Are you voting for Biden? Yes, then you're a pedophile. That's not true. Well, you're voting for someone that loves children in not the nice way. So, yes, you are. Prove me wrong. Tell me how I'm a white supremacist and I'll tell you how you're a pedophile. Use the same arguments you use. That's the way it goes. The left is losing their mind. They can't believe that Kamala Harris is on the ticket. They can't. And I I agree with them, too. They don't want to go to jail. And, you know, the Mediterranean is certainly heating up. Now Macron. Why is France butting in now? They had so much time to butt in. Now they're coming in. Oh, you know, we're coming in to the Mediterranean. Nobody cares, France. The U.S. got this. And Erdogan now is talking about, hey, um, what we need is dialogue. No, dialogue, that went out the window in 2018 when you decided to determine um, that you own this portion of the water, which isn't yours. So huh, there is way so much. Please, guys, take the oath. Tag me in it. Let's flood the Internet with people taking the oath. And don't forget, tag me, or at least, at the very least, Tag it to the person that have asked you that has asked you for that, and that's General Flynn. Uh, so, uh, one other thing: two Tory voices at the same time. Where are you guys getting two Tory voices? Am, am I echoing? I don't see where you're getting two voices. Uh, anybody want to tell me? I think it's just on Twitch. Is it just the Twitch channel? Okay, no echo, 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 echo. <laughs> All right. So, wow, we have like uh, through all of these rooms together, we've got over 1,100 people listening in on the news. Okay, Twitch is good. Excellent. All right. So let's start today with the morning, right, interview that President Trump had with Maria Bartiromo. Let's take a listen to what he had to say with her, uh, talking about all these uh, things going on and uh, 
<laughs> while we get into the meat of the, the stuff today, because we got tons to talk about. Let's take a listen. Showdown. Presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden has chosen California Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate headed into November. The two appearing for the first time yesterday and immediately aimed at the president over his handling of the economy and the coronavirus pandemic. Joining me right now is the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, right now. Mr. President, thank you so much for calling in this morning. Good. Thank you very much. Good morning. It's great to it's great to have you here to get a reaction to what we're seeing on the other side. What is your reaction to Kamala Harris as Joe Biden's running mate? Well, she's radical left. Now she tries to pretend she's not, but she's the most liberal person in the U.S. Senate, acknowledged to be. Uh, she's done things that are terrible in terms of the police, in terms of the Second Amendment, in terms of everything else. And she... Uh, is a big taxer, as Joe is a big taxer. They want to tax $4 trillion. It's going to be the biggest tax increase in history by far. It will triple up records. And uh, they're big taxers. It's uh, just something that won't work. We'll have, you will see a depression, the likes of which you have never seen. You have to go back to 1929. I guess it doesn't get too much worse than that. And you'll just see that. And frankly, you know, we've had a tremendous... Uh, a tremendous market. You and I have talked about that, the stock market. Think of it. We're almost back to where we were, and we're still in the pandemic, which will be going away. As I say, it'll be going away, and they scream, how can you say that? I said, because it's going to be going away. But, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and yet we're going to be hitting records. I guess NASDAQ already has many times, like 14 times, and uh, the Dow is, you take yeah. a look at the numbers I see for the first time today, it's actually it's actually down a few points. I'm shocked, almost shocked to see that. But we've been going up, I think we're up 9,000 points, 54% since March. So somebody made a lot of money. And I hope those 401k people didn't do anything when it got down, when it dipped, because uh, they'll be very unhappy right now. But if they stayed with Trump, uh, they're they're very rich. So, I mean, this market is trading higher, I guess, on the anticipation that the economy is going to come back in second half or in 2021, as well as, of course, these rock bottom interest rates. Do you have confidence that we are going to see a double digit growth number in the second half? What does 2021 look like in your view from an economic standpoint, Mr. President? So I think it depends on who wins. I think if he wins, you're going to end up with a uh, a disaster, to be honest. I see his plans. Uh, the New Green Deal is something that the likes of which nobody can even comprehend. It's it's like drawn by children. It's drawn by children. It's so ridiculous. OK, you go over point over point and they're actually serious about it. I used to think they were playing games. It was politics. I don't even think it's good politics. It's so ridiculous. But they're talking about no fossil fuels, which means basically no energy. You'd have to close down half of the businesses of the country. Uh, you have to rebuild cities because uh, uh, too much light gets through the windows. So let's make the windows nice and small. Let's rip down the Empire State Building and replace it with a with no windows. I mean, the whole thing is so preposterous. It's so crazy. And I guess you're talking about a hundred trillion dollars, right, to do it. Assuming you did it, you know, which will never happen, by the way. But <laughs> but I will tell you. Right. Well, no airplanes. Uh, let's not get more than one car. I'm sure the car business would love that. Let's everyone get a car and live by it. Uh, the cows, you know, I don't know if they actually put the cows in. You know, they were getting 
hit very hard by the animal rights groups, but they don't want to have cows. They don't want to have any form of animals. Uh, these people are crazy, okay? And this is, uh, this is what we're getting. And it's amazing the way uh, Sleepy Joe buys into it. He buys into it like, oh, great. You know, he doesn't know what he's doing. And now you have a, a sort of a mad woman, I, I call her, because she was so angry and so, such hatred with Justice Kavanaugh. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. She was the angriest of the group, and they were all angry. They were all radical left angry people. And they're angry because I beat them. Yeah. <laughs> they still haven't forgotten. You know, these are seriously ill people. But um, if you look at if you look at you know her record is a terrible record. And I'll tell you a good poll because the real poll. You know, we're doing very well on the polls, and and uh, you know they they love the suppression polls. This is almost like a replay of four years ago. And they said I was going to lose every swing state the day before. He will lose every swing state. It will be a very short evening. Right. Except I won every swing state, every single one of them, and and most of them pretty easily. I mean, you take a look at some of these swing states. I won them easy. And I got 306. Remember, they said the night before the election, there is no way he gets to 270. Yeah, I didn't. I got to 306 mm-hmm. in the uh, Electoral College. Well, so, you know, you know what? It, it, I mean, it's crazy. It, these people are it's crazy. It's partly... It's partly because you focused you focused on jobs and you made campaign promises to people about bringing the economy back, which is exactly what happened after the tax legislation, the deregulation and your uh, policies around energy. But, Mr. President, yesterday, both Biden and Harris took shots at you saying, look, 40 million people are out of work. He drove this economy in the into the ground. What do you want to say to them, knowing that before the coronavirus, we were talking about the best economy uh, any of us had seen or certainly in a generation. But today's numbers do not reflect that. And they've got that to throw on you, which is what they really don't, though, because nobody's buying it. Look, we got hit by the China plague and we're not going to forget it. We got hit by the China plague. I built the greatest economy in history, greatest job numbers, greatest stock market numbers, greatest economic numbers. Nobody's ever seen it. I was I was cruising to election. But Kamala Harris said that he cost us all the jobs. She totally forgot about the control of virus. They weren't even going to be a factor. George Washington would have had a hard time winning. You know that. It was, we were cruising. You had to see the numbers. And it wasn't even going to be a, a factor. And the market was going to go through the roof because he is an overhang. You know, having Joe Biden is a big overhang. Even on the numbers that you put up every day that are so good, there's an overhang. Because if he got in, the numbers would go down thousands of points if he ever won the election. So it's an overhang because certainly there's a chance that could happen. And that's holding back. That's a headwind. That's holding back the market. As Believe it or not, as good as the market's been, it's up 50 percent since March. As I guess 9,000, I think it's, uh, yeah, like 9,000 points. You never saw anything like it. I'm talking about the new ones going up faster. So no, I'm it is 50%. It you're right. I'll be doing it. Maria, I'll be yeah. doing it twice. I will have rebuilt it twice. But nobody blames me. Even, even the radical left crazies out there. This is the first time I've heard this attack. And nobody's blamed me for the fact that the, the you know, the, the uh, call it whatever you want, the China virus. There's, you know, there's 20 names for it. You have your pick of names, right? I call it generally yeah. the China virus. Came out of China. Should have never been allowed to happen. But the fact is this uh, plague came in 
and I closed it up, saved millions of lives. Now we're reopening, and I don't know if you saw yesterday, but I put up charts yeah. that were incredible. The the you talk about a V, that's like a super V. And we're coming back and coming back strong. Mm -hmm. And my biggest headwind is Biden, because everyone knows that if Biden gets in, this market's going to crash. He's going to build regulations and his taxes. He's going to tax people four trillion dollars, four trillion. That will destroy mm -hmm. this economy, the likes of which nobody's ever seen before. Four trillion dollars in taxes. So uh, I don't think, you know, he, the he old days when to, you were... He, Go ahead. Yep. He is trying I was just to say, Brian, to the in the old days when you were going to build, Mr. President. when you were a politician, you talked yep. about tax cuts. You didn't talk about tax increases. I've never heard of a politician that got elected. We are going to increase <laughs> your taxes. This guy's going around, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to. I'm, I've never seen it before. He got on television two days ago. He says, no, we're going with tax increases. And I'm looking around. I'm going, maybe we're from a different school. He is going to give not tax increases, massive tax increases to pay for uh, AOC's plan. AOC was a poor student. Uh, at, uh, I mean, I, I won't say where she went to school. It doesn't matter. This is not even a smart person other than she's got a good line of stuff. I mean, she goes out and she, she uh, yaps. These guys, and they're all afraid of her because if you notice, all of these progressives are beating the regular Democrats. You know, you look at Elliot Engel, poor Elliot Engel. He's still going, what happened? What happened? Has anybody seen what happened? What are the well, results? What? He lost Elliot. That, he got wiped that's out. That's right. And, so and, these, and these people are scaring. And he was and all Schumer's the way to the left. Yeah, and Schumer's going to get beaten by her. She's going to run against Schumer. And he knows that. And he's going to get beaten by yeah, her. Yeah. Unless he can talk her out of doing it, he has no chance. So, so you think he'll get beaten this November? Uh, Chuck Schumer will be, in my opinion, AOC will run against Chuck Schumer for the Senate. Yeah. I mean, I think and mm. I think she'll win. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Ms. Of course, she's done so many bad things. Who knows whether or not she'll get there? Who and, knows and what we'll happened in terms there. of the breakdown in talks on the stimulus? Tell me about that, because that's another thing that they were complaining about you yesterday, saying, well, he's not there negotiating. We want to get something done. Done. The Democrats have put on the table this $3 trillion plan. What specifically are they pushing for that is causing this breakdown in any deals? Nancy Pelosi said that the Democrats uh, want to, and the White House are still miles apart on, on stimulus. Well, they're right, and it's their fault. They want $3.5 billion for something that will turn out to be fraudulent. That's election money, basically. They want $3.5 billion for the mail-in votes, okay, universal mail-in ballots. Three and a half trillion. They want $25 billion, billion for the post office. Now, they need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. Now, in the meantime, they aren't getting there. By the way, those are just two items. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting because they're not equipped to have it. And you see how bad it's been with this Carolyn Maloney scam. She scammed her way into an election. She probably lost, but they said mail-in ballots, it's all mixed up. Patterson, New Jersey, same thing. Yesterday, Virginia, 500,000 applications for ballots got sent to everybody. Nobody even knows. It got sent to dogs, got sent to dead people. 
Nobody has no Cats. idea what happened. They said, oh, we made a mistake. I'm sorry. 500,000 ballots sent in Virginia. How do you feel about Virginia going in there and you have 500,000 wow. phony ballot applications? And this is all over. So I this give is you what's new- holding it up? They want... No, no, no. So that's Mr. only President, one aspect of it. This is what's holding it. up money for the American people. They want mail-in votings and, and they want money for the post office. This is one of the sticking points that's holding back stimulus for Americans during this coronavirus. The oh, yeah, Democrats that's one wanting of them. money for that's, the post office for mail-in voting. That's one of them. That's right. How what would you like to have, Maria, how would you like to have three and a half billion dollars, billion, for mail-in voting? Billion. So if you didn't have it, you wouldn't. You, you know how much money that is. Nobody has any idea. You know, people they are three and a half billion. They want twenty five billion dollars for the post office because the post office is going to have to go to town to get these great ridiculous ballots in. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting out and voting. You get out and vote. They voted during World War One and World War Two, and they should have voter ID because the Democrats scammed the system. But two of the items are the post office and the three and a half billion dollars for mail-in voting. Now, if we don't make a deal, that means they don't get the money. That means they can't have universal mail-in voting. They just can't have it. So, you know, sort of a crazy thing. How many states will be doing it? Those are two of the items, but there are many more items. But how many states are going to be doing mail-in voting, Mr. President? A.G. Barr told me that this opens the floodgates of fraud. How many states are you expecting mail-in voting to take place in? Well, you have California where they're sending out tens of millions of ballots. They have no idea where they're going, or maybe they do. Maybe they'll go to everybody but Republicans. But they have California. They have many states where you're going to have that. Now, I will say it. We're challenging in court. We're challenging in court. So it's being challenged by at at many different levels. We have many lawsuits out there. This will be the greatest fraud in history. This will be the most fraudulent. This will be almost as fraudulent as Obama spying on my campaign, but not quite. This will be the greatest fraud in history. Well, I'm going to get to that. Uh, And then there's the issue around federal IDs. You don't even need an ID in some places to actually vote. You need an ID for everything, but they don't want people to have identification to show that you are who you say you are when you go to vote. But if you want to get into the DNC, uh, whatever virtual town hall, you have to provide ID. If you want to go to any of their buildings or campaign, you know, rallies, if you want to call them rallies, they look like, you know, PTA meetings, uh, you have to show ID, but when you vote, you don't? Pretty interesting. Because they say that it's racist with the assumption that all minorities are too stupid to have IDs. So that would mean that they don't have bank accounts, they don't get any insurance, they don't work, they just, they're just there. This is how ridiculous the arguments are, and there are people that are bouncing them off like it's truth. It's called voter ID. It's the greatest thing there is. Everybody knows it. Some states like Indiana, some very well-run states have it, but many don't. And the Democrats are fighting it tooth and nail because they cheat. There's only one reason to fight it. They cheat. If you don't cheat, you want to have voter ID. But many people vote. If you look at California, we found over a million votes in Los Angeles, over a million. Judicial Watch did. They were a fantastic job they did. Tom Fitton and that group. 
They did a fantastic job. They found over a million votes where people were over 100 years old and they were voting. They had people, I think, 124 years old. No, nah, it's ridiculous. It's a terrible, it's a terrible thing that's happened. That, and the Democrats don't want to fix it. Miss President, let me ask you about these tariffs, because you've said that tariffs will remain in place for European Union products, uh, despite efforts by Airbus to move into compliance with the World Trade Organization. What is this about? The Europeans are giving and subsidizing Airbus. You are keeping the amount of products subjects to countermeasures unchanged. Seven and a half billion dollars of goods coming from Europe. Well, we won that in a lawsuit because they cheated. The European Union is almost as bad as China. You know, everybody doesn't like it when I say that. They say they're our allies. Well, they take advantage of us tremendously on NATO. You know, they don't pay their dues. Uh, Germany is delinquent for billions and billions and billions of dollars. And we're supposed to protect them. And they, uh, they pay a lot of money to Russia for oil and gas, the pipeline. They pay money to Russia, billions and billions of dollars, and then we're supposed to protect them from Russia. And on top of everything else, they're very delinquent. They're paying 1%. They're supposed to pay 2 and the real number should be 4 or 5 So uh, we get it from every different corner. Now, I, you know, I caught it. I'm wise to it. And you have a lot of stupid people out there that say, oh, I'm not treating Germany right. I'm not being nice to France and, you know, they take it. And, and, and by the way, I'm very friendly with all the people and they know. They smile at me when I look at them. They said, nobody's ever, nobody's ever talked to us like you do. You know, I got NATO to pay $400 billion more a year. My biggest fan in the world is Secretary General Stoltenberg of NATO. He says, I can't believe it because yes, we were going yes. down every year for 20 years. It was going down, down, down what they were paying for, for protection. And I came in and it looks like a rocket ship up. But still, Germany's not paying anywhere near what they're supposed to. I use the word delinquent. They're delinquent. Well, they don't pay. Yeah. Before we get to that, I want to break. I want to go out for break uh, so we can play the commercials. But let's remember the NATO military, the forces, the first strongest military NATO force is the United States. The second is the unstable, fanatic, mercenary Ottoman, the Turks. And wait till you see what I have in store for you on that one, uh, on the little work that I've been doing and digging around. So it's pretty interesting. Today's show is going to be pretty interesting because this um, UAE Israel announcement was like, wow, it was early. It was this wasn't supposed to be happening till after the Pope signed that one thing. So it seems like uh, they've uh, thrown a curveball somewhere that I'm still trying to figure out. On that note, let's just break to commercials and we'll continue right after the break. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again 
winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So we're going to continue with uh, President Trump's interview with Maria Bartiromo, which, let's not forget, nicely pointed out that she is part of the Council of Foreign Relations, tells you everything you need to know. She used to be in politics, tells you everything you need to know. And so, you know, you always have to have a good face, no matter what team you play for, because uh, that's the only way uh, that you may have an in by um, aligning and pretending to align. And uh, not so much. It could be all true, I guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to just say that. Yeah, you have. You have also you have also changed the conversation on China, sir. I want to talk to you about that. We've got trade talks slated to take place later this week. Beijing officials are saying that they plan to bring up your ban on American businesses conducting transactions with WeChat and TikTok. The Journal is reporting this morning major corporations like Apple, Disney, Walmart expressing concerns over WeChat in particular. Mr. President, are you planning to narrow the ban? Tell us the threat around WeChat and TikTok. Well, we lose. Hold on. Before you hear the president's answer, let's let me make a clarification that she didn't, that she should have. 
So WeChat and TikTok are completely different. If you're in China, WeChat is how you chat, how you pay for things, how do you how you get paid for things. It is a multi-app. This is where you do a lot of your transactions. You pay your rent, your utility bills, you scan a QR code so you can pay whatever it is. It is a multi WeChat isn't really functional. I have WeChat and it's not functional in the US. But when I'm in China, I can use that app to pay my rent, to pay my utility bill, to pay for flights, to pay for, you know, milk tea, whatever it is that I want, I could pay with WeChat. So there are two different things. One of them is functional and it's a, an app that you use for almost everything, right? And the other one, TikTok, is the one that causes children to spontaneously burst out in, uh, you know, rhythmic hand movements in the middle of a supermarket. Totally different. Okay. Just making that clarification for you. For many years, 400, 500, 300, 200 billion dollars a year, billion with China, dealing with China, first of all, before we even get into security. It's been a ripoff, the likes of which the world has never seen. And I charge massive tariffs, and they pay us hundreds, they paid us, uh, you know, just tens of billions of dollars in tariffs. As you know, they targeted our farmers that I gave them. I gave our farmers all of the money that they got targeted for, which was $28 billion over a three year period. So I gave the money to the farmers. That's why the farmers love Trump, you know, because I took care of them as opposed to other administrations that forget about the farmers. But I took good care of them. But I took it out of China. Now, we're getting right now under the trade deal. People don't know. They said, uh, like Schumer had no idea. He was saying that we don't get tariffs anymore. He, he didn't like tariffs. Then when I charged him, all of a sudden he thought it was great because so much money comes into us. But then he, when I made the deal, I left the tariffs on, which nobody still understands. How did I make the deal and still leave the tariffs on? And they're buying a lot of corn, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But with all of that, my mindset has changed on China since they allowed the, uh, the plague to come in and have such a devastating effect on the world, us and the world, which is terrible. But no, I view China differently than I did. It's before plague and after plague. Uh, right now, uh, I view China differently than I did before plague. So we just spoke with Jimmy Lai. He's been on the front lines of the Hong Kong protests. He spoke out about what he wants the U.S. to, to know uh, about the Communist Party. And he it also took real issue with Xi Jinping being dictator for life. Here's Jimmy Lai with me just 20 minutes ago, sir. Listen to this. It's, it's difficult for them to change, you know, especially when Xi Jinping is the, the, is the president. You know, Xi Jinping is totally the Mochak-Tum kind of hardcore communist. He wants to bring China back to the more time. You know, all the control right. that he's, he's, he's increasing is exactly the way that Mao was controlling the country. So, Mr. President, he's talking about Xi Jinping as being the problem because he's dictator for life, wanting to take China back to the Mao dynasty. Would you like to see Xi Jinping step down, Mr. President? Look, they're running their country and we're running our country. And we have other countries that treat us very badly. They treat us like children because we had uh, foolish leadership. I'm being nice when I use the word foolish, but we've had very foolish leadership at, at the top, at the presidential level. And all of these countries from 
China to Vietnam to all the Asian countries and others, many others, have taken advantage of us. We straightened it out with Mexico and with Canada. We have the new USMCA. We were in the process of straightening it out with China, and then the plague came. But even before that, I had a complete deal with China. And four days before it was going to be signed, they broke it. You know, they broke the deal I had. So I had a deal with them. Hong Kong is a very complex problem because we've given tremendous amounts of money in the form of incentives to make Hong Kong free, to make Hong Kong work, and to our detriment. So I have taken all that back, all of those incentives that they had for the Hong Kong market in order to keep a certain amount of freedom over there, knowing they have China looming over the top of them. But all of those incentives, billions and billions and billions of dollars I gave that we gave to Hong Kong, I've taken back now because it's Hong Kong is, if you use a business term, it's owned by China. So why should I give this to China? Hong Kong can never succeed without those incentives, and Hong Kong can never succeed having China, as opposed to the thousands of geniuses that ran it, having China run it. So what does it mean for the United States in a very practical sense? It means that our markets are going to make a lot more money. They're going to do, use the New York Stock Exchange. They're going to use uh, NASDAQ. They're going to use our markets. Uh, and the the Hong Kong markets will go to hell. Nobody's going to do business. Very few people are going to do business in Hong Kong anymore. So we've taken it back, and we are going to make billions and billions of dollars more because we've taken away all of these very expensive incentives. We gave that to them, and I fully understood it, and I, I still understand. I was okay with it. But yeah. once China got aggressive and took it over, I took everything back. Everything's back now, and it will yeah. fail. But look how aggressive they are in America. Look at how aggressive they are in America, able to get insiders at corporations, whether it's Harvard and the head of the chemistry department, Cleveland Clinic, uh, Houston Consulate, getting insiders in corporations to steal intellectual property and send it back to the CCP. What happens right. if Microsoft acquires TikTok? How many TikTok employees will be working for Microsoft and able to send data back to the CCP? Will you allow Microsoft to acquire TikTok? So first of all, the first thing, you know, we have got those people and they're pro being prosecuted under this administration. They're being prosecuted, number one. Number two, That's TikTok, right. I broke the deal. I said you can't do business in the United States. I also said to Huawei, you can't do business in the United States. And I told our so-called allies that are all over the world, all of which, you know, for the most part, take advantage of us. We have good allies. We have some very good allies, but some are, you know, they take advantage of us because for so many years they were allowed to just absolutely rip us off. But I've told them, I said, if you go with Huawei, that's okay, but we're not going to be communicating having to do with intelligence because the intelligence goes right into Beijing, okay? And we don't want that. And, you know, we know that. And we have better scientists than they do. We have better engineers than they do. We know exactly what happened. So we explained that to Europe and others. And for the most part, they're not buying Huawei. And if they do, we'll have to cut off intelligence because the intelligence, we can't have that go into Beijing. So we have there's been nobody tougher to China or to Russia or to anybody else than I have, uh, despite a media that's bought out by China. Uh, much more so than Russia. Do you ever notice they always say Russia, Russia, Russia? They don't mention China, China, China. Because most of these people, like you look at the NBA, they're bought off by China. 
and China is, you know, the big pot of gold. So they uh, they say, oh, let's go, let's use Russia instead of China. But China is a big problem, and I've made it a much smaller problem. The fact is that with Hong Kong, we're saving a, a massive amounts of billions of dollars, and it's not going to work. It can't work. It's all based on the dollar. I've made the Do dollar you- stronger. I've made the dollar stronger to a point that there is almost no secondary currency. The dollar is stronger now than it's ever been. And it will be even stronger in my second term. And I don't mean just from a price standpoint. I'm talking about the pedigree of the dollar. Unless a Biden gets in with his stupid taxes, he wants to tax he'll tax his country into a depression like in 1929. If you do what he wants to do, his so, plan, and I've been pretty good. You have to say, Maria. At predicting things, I've been pretty good, including saying I was going to win the election. And I'm going to win it a second time, by the way. Because, you know, one of the reasons I'm going to win a second time is people have made a fortune with me, and they don't want their 401ks going down by 75, 80 percent or more. And that's what's going to happen. Regulations and taxes. He's going to regulate everything, put everything back times two. I cut more regulations than so any president in the history second term? by far. Uh, we're going to Mr. continue President, cutting you've talked regulations. About a capital, you've, you've, tra- you've talked about capital gains tax cuts. You've That's talked right. about payroll tax cut. You've talked about more right. deregulation. What are the plans for the second term agenda, Mr. Okay. President? Well, I've done the payroll tax uh, cut temporary. You know, this is a temporary t- uh, payroll tax cut, but this is a very substantial positive jolt to the economy. I'm going to do a capital gains tax cut to 15 percent in second term. We're going to get it down to 15. It's at 21. Uh, we'll get that down to 15 percent, and I'll get that done easily. We're going to take the House. I believe we're going to take back the House because Nancy Pelosi is stone-cold crazy, and I think we're going to take the House, and that's upon, uh, you know, I don't make a statement like that uh, very easily, uh, but we're going to take, otherwise I'll look very bad, but we're going to take back the House. We're going to hold the presidency. And we're fighting very hard in the Senate. I'll be honest. The Senate is uh, uh, is uh, tough. We have a couple of people that aren't as supportive of Trump as they should be, and those people are going to lose their elections. If they don't support Trump, they lose their elections. It's a very simple element. Look at Haggerty in Tennessee. He was a Trump guy, and he he just became, or he will become very shortly, the senator. He won the primaries the other day. You look at uh, all of the things that have happened, uh, but the ones that don't support, and I'm just talking, take a look, the ones that don't support, and you have a few people that want to be cute, and I think they're going to lose their elections, and that's a problem for the Senate. Do you believe school choice will be an issue this upcoming election, given the fact that we are in this shutdown? And this, yeah, this is a big issue for minorities in particular. Well, the uh, the unions own Biden. He doesn't even know it. Joe doesn't even know he's alive. But the unions own Biden. They own the radical left. They own Pelosi and Schumer. Uh, and they they will do anything for the unions, including destroy the future of our children. And by the way, the union workers, I love them. They're going to have to work in schools. There's nothing more valuable than good teachers. Teachers are the, the whole the whole basis for everything. I mean, well, we, we need Rick, those teachers. That's a very Richard important Trump thing. Got, 
Richard but, Trumka was on the show last week, Mr. President, and I told him that the income uh, the income gap was narrowing before the coronavirus. I remember reporting on this because wages were going up so much. And he said, absolutely not. It's not true. Can you talk to us about what was taking place in terms of the income gap and wages before this coronavirus? Because I was communicating this just the other day to Richard Trumka, and he said it's not true. Look, uh, he totally controls Nancy Pelosi. In fact, when we did the USMCA, he had to sign off on it for her. He, she wouldn't do it unless he signed off. And he's a good guy, but he's a union guy. You know, he's good, but he's a union guy. He does what he can do. But uh, if you look at really what was happening before, we were actually coming. This country was coming together before China sent over the plague. Uh, this country was coming together because of success. Somebody said, what's going to bring, how can the country heal? I said one word, success. And it was happening. You know that. It was happening. We were getting closer. People were calling me that, uh, I'm talking about Democrats that were calling me and talking in a way that was very different from what it had been because we had the best employment Even numbers. We had yep. the best employment Even numbers we've ever face. had. We had the best numbers we've ever had. We had the best stock market numbers we've ever had, which now looks like they're going to be supplanted by what we have now, if you can even believe that. But we had the best success we've mm -hmm. ever had, and this country was coming together. And then the plague hit us from China, a gift from China. And now we're rebuilding it, and it's going up like a V, like a rocket. And you look at those numbers on automobiles, but even in the on face employment. Of all of this. You've gotten yes. so much done, economic policy, foreign policy, naming judges, and in the face of all of this resistance, first you had the resistance from inside your own government. You had the FBI working with the Hillary Clinton campaign. She paid for the right. dossier. They used it to help entrap your campaign. Then you had the media piling on. Then you had an impeachment trial with no crimes. The Okay, she's she's talking as if the dossier was created to entrap his administration. We all know that the dossier was created after the fact when they had already started spying on the campaign to cover the actual crimes of 702 over collections of using the NSA to get all the information they need. So the fact that she already knows that the dossier was simply a blanket to cover the real crimes and she's purporting it as the sole reason as to why they were they were we're surveilling the Trump campaign, okay, from 2014. And let me not say before that, because through there they saw in the past too. The FISA warrant was just a way for them to justify it because they were going to go after him after she won. Understand what I am trying to say. They got the FISA warrants not just for insurance so they can continue but to use it against President Trump and everyone else they were going to round up and throw into a gulag after she won. Claiming that we have been infiltrated, this was always the plan. The dossier was used to be used after Hillary won. The dossier, though, had a double thing. It covered their crimes. So no one was going to look at the NSA over oh, uh, 702 over collections. 
No, they weren't. I mean, when you've got SCOTUS all over it and you've got FISA judges like Judge Collier signing off on FISA warrants when she knows they were based on 702 over collection because she was the judge presiding over each and every one of them a few weeks before she signed off on it. Like, this is so ridiculous that she sits there and she's pushing as if the dossier is like the Holy Grail. The dossier was just a tool. It was not the crimes they actually committed. Makes me really upset when I see them thumping the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. So annoying. So annoying. Uh, articles of impeachment were abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Then you had China throw the curveball at you with the virus. Democrat mayors and governors refusing to stop crime and vandalism. This is all your first term. What was most surprising to you as you look toward this new election? What was most difficult and most surprising for you in this last three and a half years, Mr. President? And by the way, when they say abuse of power uh, on impeachment, that was a fo- it was a phony, fake impeachment. It was a disgrace on a phone call. There was an right, absolutely there perfect was no phone call. Right. I'm the only one to get impeached on a perfect phone call. I like a perfect phone call, and I get impeached because of the level of hatred. But when they say abuse of power, the abuse of power is that I get everything done. I'm going to have over 300 judges by the end of the first term. Nobody's ever seen that before. I'm going to have two Supreme Court judges, justices. And we'll have literally over 300 judges, including Court of Appeals. We've done things that nobody's ever done. The tax cuts, the regulation cuts, uh, ANWR. Look at at ANWR. They couldn't get ANWR done. Ronald Reagan couldn't get it done. Bush's nobody could get it done. And I got ANWR done. There was Everybody. still a coup against you. There's still point. one coming. That's where is true. John Durham, Mr. President? Is he? Is, uh, I mean, I where is John uh, Durham? We know that there was criminality. I hope he's doing a great job, and I hope they're not going to be politically correct. And I hope they do what? Because the fact is, this was President Obama knew everything. Uh, Vice President Biden, as dumb as he may be, he knew everything. And everybody else knew everything, Maria, and you know it. And Comey and Brennan and Clapper, they all were terrible and they lied to Congress. And they put Flynn, they want to put Flynn in jail and he didn't lie because the FBI said he didn't lie. And we just found that out. You know, it was only Mueller that said he lied. And they said he didn't lie, and they're putting, they're trying to destroy that man's life and other people that got in trouble that you, did nothing by comparison, and not, in mo- many cases nothing or nothing in comparison. They spied on my campaign, which is treason. They spied both before and after I won. Think of that: using the intelligence apparatus of the United States counsel? to take down a president, a legally elected president. Wait, now you're going to hear it. So they've committed treason. They use the intelligence community and global intelligence community to take him down before and after the election. What we've been talking about. They've been using Shadownet. They they have, they have, they have. And I've been listening to all their conversations up until, you know, a few months ago. So uh, what you're going to see pan out is incredible. But I want you to pay attention to see... How roadblocks get thrown in front of the president with the best intentions, of course. 
president, a duly elected president of the United States. It's the That's single right. biggest political crime in the history of our country. And I hope they're doing a job. I hope they're not going to be politically correct and say, well, you know, we want to go just get let's get the lower guys that forged the documents going into FISA. Let's just get a couple of the lower guys. I hope they're not going to be Bill Barr can go down as the greatest attorney general in the history of our country, or he can go down as just an average guy. It depends on what's going to happen. Well, do you want to see a special counsel put in place no. to ensure that the American people find out what took place here? We know that there was an FBI agent who actually changed documents, changed evidence. We know that there was lying to the court, lying to the Congress, leaking to the media. What if, if you do not win in November, we're not going to hear another word about this. So should That's A.G. Right. Barr put probably. in a special counsel cancel to ensure out, that this definitely. is... They'll probably cancel it out yep. almost definitely. And uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. But we caught him. Look, we caught him. Carter Page, they just used him to spy on the campaign. Others they used to spy on the campaign. It's a disgrace. And it can either be unbelievable. They don't need a special counsel. First of all, they have a special counsel working. And they have Durham working, so they don't need another special counsel. We've had enough special counsels. And frankly, Thank you. everybody knows if you didn't have one bit of evidence from what you already know from reading the newspapers, they're all guilty as hell. The insurance policy where in case she loses, we've got an insurance policy. We're going to go and take them out. You know that. That's what that meant. Uh, with, that was with Strzok and Page, the two lovers, the two great lovers that got caught. I hope everybody. Yes. Uh, do, do you think the Mueller that. report was the Mueller investigation just a cover up for what they had done? Because the Mueller investigation, we're getting all of the documents now where we're getting this declassification of documents. And so we know, oh, yes, they. OK, so I have to stop right now only because um, I am going off the radio for top of the hour breaks for those listening on the radio. So I don't want them to miss this. Did you guys, though, before we, you know, head out? Out to the break in 30 seconds. Let this percolate as you listen to the commercials of Red State Talk Radio. Did you see how Maria threw in a bait twice? One, for him to condemn and ask for the president of China to step down. What? That's like an act of war for the Chinese. And two, asked him to assign a special counsel. Is she insane? No. She's telling you exactly who she is. That's the thing. People need to start paying attention to what people are telling you. They tell you exactly who they are. See you in a bit.
right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So this is the second hour. We're going to finish up the interview. There's about um, five minutes left. And then we're going to talk Durham a little bit. And I'm going to tell you a little story so you understand Durham a little bit. And then we're going to get into some other stuff. We have a little bit of Nancy Pelosi that we need to listen to. She totally freaked out. A little snippet of an interview of a man, um, an actual soldier, talking about stuff that I know you guys want to hear about. We're only going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, And then we're going to talk about Israel, the UAE, Turkey, and what's going on. Remember, I told you that the Saudis are like the Trumps of the Middle East. I I, I said that yesterday. I, I, I know you guys love Deltas. So this is why the conversations are starting to happen sooner. Kind of like told you the Antifa thing. That thing was registered years ago and it had Antifa.com on it and it was moving everyone over to Joe Biden because then you can see where the funding is coming in and how (laughs) some really good people have hijacked that. So uh, hopefully today opened your eyes to see a few things that you don't normally see. And that is just to allow yourself to listen to the other person. Because again, every single person tells you exactly who you are. But we have been desensitized and have an inability of listening anymore. Of listening to the undertone. Of listening to the questions. Of stepping back and standing on the moon and looking at that question in the dialogue for what it really is. Bare and naked. We don't. Because we're so... Um, stimulated. And so, well, it's like tunnel vision. It's like we have those things that horses have on the side of their eyes so they don't look, you know, to the left and the right, right? So they don't get spooked on the street. So this is, this is an important um, interview for you guys to listen to and watch. But when you listen to it, right, and you actually uh, take in what questions are being posed and how they're posed. And then when you look at the background or look at previous questions and how they've been posed, you understand exactly where everybody sits and exactly what everyone's goal is. So let's continue this. Lied to the Senate. Oh, yes, they lied to the Pfizer court. All of this stuff was available when Mueller was doing the investigation. So how come he didn't unearth any of this? Was that just an opportunity to just have all of the documents frozen as a cover up for what they did to you? Because they were only interested in anything having to do with Trump, even though they knew all of this stuff. Strzok and Page, their text message were all deleted by Mueller. Mueller went in himself and he lied to Congress because he said he didn't apply for a job to head the FBI. And he did. And we have absolute proof of that. He came in looking to run the FBI early on. The following day, he was given the job as the special prosecutor. I call it prosecutor because it's not a counsel. They say special counsel. It's really a prosecutor. So he was given the just, I want to be more accurate. And with all of that, he, that they did, think of it. They spent $48 million plus. You don't even know what they spent. Looked at everything. They looked at my taxes, I'm sure. They looked at everything. With all of that, No collusion. I have a friend who is a very sophisticated man, one of the most successful people. You know him very well. He said, you have to be the most honest person in the world to escape the greatest witch hunt ever perpetrated in the history of our country, to go over every document, every phone call, everything you've ever done. And they say, no collusion. I did nothing wrong. They said, I never knew you were that honest. He said, you must be the most honest man in the world. 
And so then they take it down and they send it to New right. York. Well, listen, we couldn't find anything. Let's send it into New York, into the uh, Democrat lion's den. So they play games there for years. It's a disgrace. What's going on in this country, we've got to stop it. We've got to stop it. And we're getting close. But, Mr. But President, it's, we know. It's a disgrace. But, Mr. President, we know that the, F, the FBI lied to the Senate in February of 2018, Christopher Ray was running the FBI, Mr. President. Is Christopher Ray hiding all of this stuff and protecting the FBI? Should he step down? So Christopher Ray was put there. We have an election coming up. Uh, I wish he was more forthcoming. He certainly hasn't been. There are documents that they want to get and that we have uh, said we want to get. Uh, we're going to find out if he's going to give those documents, but certainly he's been very, very protective. He was put there uh, for good reason. Uh, he was chosen by a certain person, and I said, go ahead, put whoever you want. I'm so honest that I said, you could put anybody you want. Let's see how Ray turns out. He's going to either turn out one way or the yeah. other. But I'll tell you, Bill Barr All right, before and we Durham have a chance yep. to be... Bill Barr has a chance to be the greatest of all time. But if he wants to be politically correct, he'll be just another guy. Because he knows all the answers. He knows what they have. And it goes right to Obama, and it goes right to Biden. They had the meetings. That was one meeting I they caught him. They had many meetings. I that's right. We have it all on a timeline right here. And Mr. President, I know that we're going to be wrapping up soon, but I just want to get your take on these debates. There's this movement now in the media trying to get Joe Biden to not debate you. And then you announced yesterday initiatives to help get kids back to school. If you could just touch on these two topics before we wrap up here, sir. First off, are you planning these? De are, are we going to have a debate, you and Biden? Well, I want a debate. Three debates? I would say the only problem with the debates is we should have one debate. Move it forward. I have an extra one. I don't care. Three debates is fine or make it four. But we should have one before the ballots start going out. These phony ballots, you know, uh, they go out and we should have a debate before the ballots. We have a debate a month after the ballots start going out. So people are voting without seeing the debate. So I think they should move one debate forward. But I want to do the debates and they are trying to get out of the debates. There's no question about that. You know, I have people that are very good at this stuff. So am and I. We'll and I will tell you, they want to. They would love to get out of the open. debates. Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, look, you've you've have debated uh, pretty aggressively in the past. You've also announced yesterday initiatives to help get kids back in the classroom. Tell me about I that. I want to get this the schools open. 125 million reusable masks. Go ahead. I want to get the schools open. They should be open. The children, if you look statistically, it's incredible how strong they are. Their immune systems, they're incredible. We have to get our schools open. We have to get our country open. And a lot of the reason it's not happening is because blue state governors, if you take a look at some of the Democrat governors, they don't want their state open because they think that hurts me on November 3rd. And I think people are wise to it. Our country is going to be stronger than it's ever been next year. We're going to have one of the best years, maybe as good as last year. It's incredible what's happening. And when you look at the numbers on cars, on, on everything, retail sales, you look at the employment numbers, we set a record. 
we're going up despite the Democrats. This is like I built the wall despite the Democrats. Now nobody wants to talk about it anymore. But despite the Democrats, they don't talk about the wall anymore. Do you notice they used to talk about it? Now they don't because it's it's going to be completed very soon. But despite the Democrats, we have a V going like nobody thought even possible. They're impossible. They're very difficult people. I sometimes think they don't love the country. But they're doing the wrong thing. But in the meantime, I do love your show, and I think you're fantastic. (laughs) Mr. President, thank you so much for the time this morning. Thanks for your leadership, sir. We'll be watching. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Maria. So, okay, so what do we unpack on this? There's a lot to unpack. Uh, (laughs) Can you see the question? So, first of all, you never ask a president of one nation, hey, you think that President Xi should step down? What? Who does that? So let's just give ourselves a little bit of a pick-me-up and play a few uh, videos that uh, the president has been putting out today uh, so we can get a little bit of a pick-me-up. I actually uh, really enjoyed them, too. Uh, Let's take a listen to this video. Smartly spotted a phony, but not... Kamala Harris ran for president by rushing to the radical left, embracing Bernie's plan for socialized medicine, calling for trillions in new taxes, attacking Joe Biden for racist policies. Voters rejected Harris. They smartly spotted a phony, but not Joe Biden. He's not that smart. Biden calls himself a transition candidate. He is handing over the reins to Kamala while they jointly embrace the radical left. Slow Joe and phony Kamala. Perfect together. Wrong for America. (laughs) That was awesome. Wait, there's more. We're just going to go through what the president has been putting out for us. This. I love this. This is my favorite. And amidst a global... President Trump built a great economy. And amidst a global pandemic, he's doing it again. The great American comeback. Three months of record job growth. An incredible 9.3 million jobs added. Devastated industries adding back hundreds of thousands of jobs. Women and minorities going back to work in record numbers. Unemployment dropping again. President Trump's renewing, restoring, rebuilding our economy. And the best is yet to come. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. Now, I wanted to say something on these jobs. So this morning when I um, was uh, leaving to go get coffee, two things happened. So I'm standing there and I pick up this travel coffee thing um, from the local coffee shop. And there's this um, mom and daughter. And the daughter looks so adorable in what she was wearing. I was in daughter, you know, she's in her 20s, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you look so cute. And they just, oh, my gosh, it's so nice. So, you know, she was like, I'm so excited. You know, we're road tripping and we're coming through here. Uh, I got a new job in Denver, she says. And I was like, oh, you got a new job during the pandemic, right? The pandemic, infodemic, control of virus scam. So here we have a young woman, you know, who's going to her new job across the country. And so I was like, oh, maybe you want to go through my Wyoming way right by the border there. You know, you can get yourself a really good bison ribeye and sit outside where you see the bisons and everything. 
It's like you can't miss it. It's like right on the border between Colorado and Wyoming. And so, you know, uh, my my daughter asked her, she's like, oh, did you just finish college? She's like, I finished college two years ago, but I couldn't find a job job. So and the mom was like, oh, you know, she's leaving home. And there goes our little group. Where we're in. And I was like, girl, I feel you because one of my children is away from home and I get it. Um, and it was like, oh, during this control of virus, right? This. So anyway, we proceed to go to get to the vehicle. So um, as we are going there, there's elevators and run into this guy. And he's not, he's, he's one of, how does Joe call them? Brown, black, young people, right? And, you know, I was like, yo, are you doing this whole social distancing? He's like, no, walks in. And then he was like, why'd you buy coffee from there? You know, they'll spit in it because these people are just radical. And I said, well, they know me. So I'm feeling that they're not going to spit in my stuff. (laughs) He's like, well, I don't trust them. I won't go there. And he had a bunch of golf clubs and everything. And he was like, is that like, you know, a mask that says, you know, MAGA? And I was like, yeah, he's like, that's what's up. And he's like, who would vote? I got no payroll tax. I mean, this guy is on fire and the jobs are just crazy. I just got a promotion. I'm like, okay, see, so all these jobs are being created while we're stuck indoors because they're revamping jobs. It's a lot cheaper for people to be hired now, right? Because, you know, they're doing this whole telecommute. They have more openings. Uh, Older people are deciding not to work, you know, all these things. So he has been adding jobs, right? as we've been locked in our homes. And I was just like, man, that is, that's incredible. You know, all these work from home jobs are happening. Kind of like the dream that Andrew Yang had with what? That universal basic income of $1,000 that he was saying to help people retrain, learn coding, help companies get to that place. So this is Andrew Yang's wet dream, really, what we're seeing happening, this change in the way our economy is and this change of a boom. Now, a lot of people are like, the market, this market, just stand back and watch it happen. This is where it gets magical. Okay. This is where the real magic wand comes out and it's like magic, magic. It just happens because 10 steps ahead, 20 steps ahead. Now, just to kind of get us excited, can we just listen to a one minute clip of my favorite Tucker Carlson? So good. This is so good. Take a listen. Just Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, who is a socialist and a genuine radical, brags that she and people like her in the Congress will run the Biden administration. I will be pushing him. I will, you know, as soon as we get him in the White House and even before um, with these task forces that we had, we were able to significantly push Joe Biden to do things that he hadn't signed on to before. So he is movable. He is listening. Oh, he's definitely movable. That's the whole point of Joe Biden. But the country is not movable. It's not just an idea. It's a physical place. 330 million people live here and have lived here happily for the most part for centuries. And now a small group of unhappy people is wrecking it. And no one is stopping them. This isn't about who gets elected in the next presidential election. It's about whether you're going to want to live here at the end. So it's time to stop lying about what's happening, start telling the truth, and demand an end to this nonsense. 
Demand an end to these puppets. Demand an end to politicians that are not your voice. Remember, the toothless guy on the corner can be your senator, your congressman, your mayor, your city council member, as long as he does what? Or she does what? If they're your voice. If you elect them and they're just doing other stuff and they're like, look, man, you just don't understand. I'm doing, you, you don't get it. You're, 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 eh, and I'm like over here. What do you know? No, that's not what we need. We need someone that's going to listen. We need someone that's going to take our questions and our voices seriously and move them along. Now, in, um, before we get into the Durham and Biden, I wanted to show a clip and I'll describe the clip. The clip um, yesterday when we were analyzing the whole um, Joe Biden, Kamala, you know, whole, oh yeah, you know, with all her lies like this, like their slogan should be Pinocchio, hold our beer. Like this was the biggest lie fest ever, right? We see where Biden really was. This is crazy. You want to take a look at this? Someone sent this to me yesterday, and I was like, oh, there it is. We really do want our Scooby-Doo moment. Watch this. This is showing Joe Biden talking right where he was with Kamala. But who's on the screen? Actually, Joe Biden playing around on a desk. Coming right up here. Complicit media, and they're complacent. They have complete apathy to what's happening. Look, look, can you see it now? Can you see it? How incredible is that? That was a slip. That was a slip. Moving around and then bang. Boom. You see that they had the real Joe Biden on a screen while the one in makeup and latex was talking to the people. Oh, my gosh. How's that happening? Yeah, it's totally happening. Totally happening. And that's what's crazy, that people are totally okay with it. Another great video to put together and listen to is the one that Shady Shady Groove shared. Take a listen to this. Good morning. I'm here to give you an update on the FBI's investigation of Secretary Clinton. What I want to do is tell you what we're recommending. But first, let me tell you what we found. 110 emails, 52 email chains have been determined to contain classified information. What difference at this point does it make? Eight of those chains are top secret. 36 of those chains are secret. And eight contain confidential information. What difference at this point does it make? Everything I did was admitted. There was no law, no regulation. Secretary Clinton should have known that an unclassified system was no place for that conversation. I did not email any classified material to anyone. Case. <laughs> I know there will be intense public debate. I know there will be intense public debate. I know there will be intense public debate. Public debate. What 
difference at this point does it make? 110 emails. It wasn't the best choice. 52 email chains. I made a mistake. I've been determined to contain classified information. What difference at this point does it make? Eight of those chains. Your type was not a good choice. Six of those chains. I said it was a mistake. Eight contain confidential information. What difference at this point does it All right, just so you know, you know, the day that he actually, um, uh, made that announcement was two days after he had paid CrowdStrike, right? CrowdStrike was paid by the FBI $150,000 before this happened. Now, one more snippet that maybe a lot of people have not seen and James Wood so nicely shared, uh, which is pretty incredible, uh, is, uh, you know, Kamala Harris calling young people stupid. Have you heard this one? Here it is. They make... What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. (laughs) That is why we put them in dormitories. And they have a resident assistant. They make really bad decisions. Yeah, they do. They do, because they're the ones blowing things up. They're the ones out in bats and armed to the teeth. So, yeah, maybe we should just, you know, use that and share that video all around, all around, all around, all around. So, as we see, the left is going to cannibalize themselves. Uh, And it'll only be time until where's Hunter Biden. This is why they keep asking that question. Where's Because they already know. I mean, if I already know, you know they know. If you know, you know they know. So what are we waiting for? Ah, the right time. See, there's always a right time to make statements and put things forward. Uh, It's always the right time uh, to talk about things. There's always that thing about timing, isn't there? So let's, um, let's take a look at the president and what he had to say about the signing of this treaty with um, Israel and UAE, which is very important because, as I said, their trade has always had, had been established. But the key here is, is that there was no recognition of Israel as a nation by the UAE. That is a very big deal. So take a listen to what our president had to say about this peace treaty. Ah, wait, before we do that. No, we'll talk about that after. We'll talk about China and Taiwan and what we've been doing there the past couple of days that no one's been talking about right after this. With two friends, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel and Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed of the United Arab Emirates, where they agreed to finalize a historical peace agreement Everybody said this would be impossible. And as you know, Mohammed is one of the great leaders of the Middle East. After 49 years, Israel and the United Arab Emirates will fully normalize their diplomatic relations. They will exchange embassies and ambassadors and begin cooperation across the board and on a broad range of areas, including tourism, education, healthcare, trade, and security. This is a truly historic moment, not since the Israel-Jordan Peace Treaty was signed more than 25 years ago has so much progress been made towards peace in the Middle East. By uniting two of America's closest and most capable partners in the region, 
something which said could not be done, this deal is a significant step towards building a more peaceful, secure, and prosperous Middle East. Now that the ice has been broken, I expect more Arab and Muslim countries will follow the United Arab Emirates lead. And I want to just thank them for being. It's not surprising, knowing Mohammed so well, it's not surprising they are in that lead position and normalize relations with Israel. We are already discussing this with other nations, very powerful, very good nations and people that want to see peace in the Middle East. So you will probably see others of these, but this is the first one in more than 25 years. This deal will allow much greater access to Muslims from throughout the world to visit the many historic sites in Israel, which the Muslims want to see very badly and have wanted to see for many, many decades, and to peacefully pray at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is a very special place for them. My first trip as president was to Saudi Arabia in May of 2017, and my speech to the assembled leaders of 54 Muslim countries, every single one was by their leader, their number one leader. It was an amazing, really an incredible event, very important event. I made clear that the problems of the Middle East can only be solved when people of all faiths come together to fight Islamic extremism and pursue economic opportunity for people of all faiths. And when you look at what's happening, you're seeing a lot of progress is being made that nobody thought could possibly be made. And things are happening that I can't talk about, but they're extremely positive. I want to thank the leaders of Israel and the UAE for their courage and for their leadership to forge this tremendous agreement. It will be known as the Abraham Accord. And I'd like to ask our ambassador, David Friedman, to please uh, Explain why we're doing Hello, everyone. This is a historic Abraham day, and I have here with me Senior Advisor Jared Kushner, Ambassador Robert O'Brien. They're going to summarize uh, the history that was made today and take a few of your questions. We also have Special Representative Avi Berkowitz here and Special Envoy to Iran, uh, Brian Hook, who will be in attendance. Thank you, Kelly, and thank you all for being here. Uh, I want to start today by congratulating uh, the people of Israel and the people of uh, the United Arab Emirates. Today is a historic breakthrough and a great day for peace. I also want to congratulate President Trump on this milestone. He worked very hard on this with his team. Uh, we worked with Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed, who really are two visionary leaders who made a big step forward today to really change the region. The last time we had an agreement like this in the region was 1994, when Israel made an agreement with the Kingdom of Jordan, uh, which stopped aggression and helped bring forward peace. Over the last 26 years, there's been a lot of developments in the region, uh, some positive, but many that have set the region back, and it has led to lots of lives being lost, uh, lots of opportunity and hope being destroyed, and, uh, and a, a region that really has had a lot of problems. When President Trump came into office, we had a caliphate uh, for ISIS in the Middle East, uh, which was the size of Ohio. Uh, we had a lot of instability. Iran's aggression was being felt all throughout the region. A lot of their proxies were very well funded and in causing instability in Yemen and in Syria and in, and in other places. And now we're in a position 
where we've been able to work with our allies. A lot of our allies felt abandoned. Uh, president Trump's been able to rebuild those relationships. His first trip as president was to Saudi Arabia in May of 2017, where he laid out the problems that were facing the region and very clearly articulated that in order to make progress, we'd all have to work together around common goals and we'd have to acknowledge uh, historic differences and historic conflicts, but we can't let those conflicts hold us back. Uh, President Trump's leadership, the ability to build the relationships with the leaders in the region, uh, people were modernizing their society and realizing that we needed a new paradigm. Uh, on President Trump's visit to Saudi Arabia, we made an agreement with a lot of these countries that we were going to start a counter-terror finance center, and since then we've worked to limit the amount of funding that's gone to extremist groups. Uh, we worked with Saudi Arabia, which is the custodian of the two holy sites, and we worked with them to do a counter uh, center, a counter extremism center to combat online extremism. And that's made a big difference because you can't solve the short term problem without taking on the long term fight. Uh, we've seen Saudi Arabia make a lot of modernizations over the last years, giving more rights to women and, and taking steps in the right direction, which have been very positive. And now today's breakthrough really allows us to go forward. Uh, to give you a little bit of background on this deal, uh, this is something that's been in discussions now for over a year and a half. Uh, we were talking with Israel. We were talking with United Arab Emirates about moving forward, uh, obviously because of the Israeli elections and because of some other things that were happening in the region. Uh, this is something that was talked about but never really got to the right place for it to happen. As you know with deals, deals happen when deals are ready, and peace deals are very rare and very historic, and there's a lot of uh, reasons why people would be held back from moving forward. What we saw was when the president rolled out uh, his vision for peace, which we worked very hard on for a couple of years, to really try to understand the issues in the region between the Israelis, the Palestinians. He put forward 180 pages of detail on how we can address the issues of the past, but also figure out how to move forward. Um, during that uh, acknowledgement, uh, President Trump was able to get Israel to agree to have a, a two-state solution with the Palestinians and for the first time in history to agree to a map that outlined the territory uh, that they would be willing to, to work with in order to see that happen. Um, that showed a lot of people in the region that Israel was serious about really moving forward and making peace and also showed them that President Trump's leadership and diplomacy could make things happen that hadn't happened previously. Uh, what happened is, as Israel uh, was discussing with us, uh, providing, uh, 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 taking Israeli law and sovereignty to areas of the West Bank and applying it, uh, we were having these discussions, and over the last six weeks, the discussions between UAE and Israel started accelerating around this being a potential different path. We all saw Ambassador Oteba's uh, op-ed that came out that said that he thought applying Israeli sovereignty to, this, uh, to these areas would be detrimental to the region. And uh, a new course, a new option was created that was discussed that ultimately both countries thought was a much more viable option uh, to go forward. Uh, Israel's agreed to suspend those efforts at this time. And as a result, we're going to focus uh, on bringing these two countries together. This is really a historic breakthrough. And it shows that President Trump's leadership from the Riyadh speech till today, uh, you see a much different Middle East than what he inherited. And hopefully there's a lot more good things to come. This is uh, an icebreaker. Uh, between these two countries. This is the first uh, Arab country to normalize uh, relations with Israel in a long time, uh, 26 years since Jordan. And what we're going to hopefully see from there is more countries start to do the same. Um, the final thing I'll just say is that uh, here in America, the biggest threat that we saw in the last campaign was uh, really two things. One was 
uh, ISIS. Uh, the caliphate was growing. We were seeing journalists being beheaded. We were seeing people uh, burnt in cages. And uh, the threat of ISIS was something that uh, was very scary to a lot of Americans and needed to be stopped. The instability was providing uh, a place for extremists to, uh, to, to plan attacks, to, to plan all kinds of terrible things. And the extremists were trying to radicalize the next generation. One of the biggest excuses that extremists use to radicalize the next generation is the mosque and the Al-Aqsa Mosque and saying that uh, it's, 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 it's being threatened and, and, and the fact that Muslims aren't able to pray there. This deal will allow for flights from Dubai and Abu Dhabi to Tel Aviv, which will allow Muslims a real entree to come and visit Israel peacefully and to come and pray at the mosque uh, with whatever frequency they deem appropriate. Uh, this is a big breakthrough. As people go there and pray and see that this is available, they'll share it with their friends and they'll uh, share the experiences. They'll share pictures of it on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And people throughout the world will see that the mosque is safe and that, uh, that all people are welcome there. So this is a really great step forward for the region, a great step forward for the country, and a great step forward for the world. And again, I just want to really compliment uh, the three leaders who worked very hard to make this possible. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel, uh, the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed of Abu Dhabi, and President Trump here in America. Thank you. So thank you, to, uh, Jared, for that uh, that summary. And it's uh, it's been extraordinary work by a number of fine diplomats uh, working under President Trump's leadership to arrive at, at today's outcome. Uh, Jared Kushner has been at the forefront of those efforts. Avi, uh, Brian Hook, and others have uh, have put in just just tremendous work uh, under the president's direction uh, to get where we are here today. And, uh, and I I know Jared, you're not a uh, you don't have a diplomat title, an ambassador title, but we don't have a finer ambassador, uh, especially in the region, than uh, Advisor Kushner. So, uh, thank you for those uh, those remarks and, and for the, the really incredible effort. I, I want to start by congratulating uh, today the president of the United States. Uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu, and Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed. Uh, uh, this is a remarkable achievement, and they've been the, the achievement is now uh, will now be known in, in history as the Abraham Accords or the Abraham Accords in uh, uh, the Muslim uh, countries or the Abraham Accords in uh, Israel. Uh, it's something very special. It's something that doesn't happen very often. Very few of my predecessors as National Security Advisor have been able to come to this podium to announce a peace deal in the Middle East. It's a, it's a very rare thing. Uh, as I said earlier in the Oval Office today, uh, the president is going to be known uh, in history as one of the, the change makers and, and one of the, the remarkable leaders in the Middle East. And that's not something that, that you may have thought of when he came into office. But one of his very first steps was repairing our relationship with Israel, which had been badly damaged, especially in the last uh, month of the prior administration. The president did something that was unheard of. Uh, many presidential candidates going back two decades had promised if they were elected, they would move the United States embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. President Trump had the courage to do it, and he, he developed a wonderful credibility and uh, a reservoir of goodwill in Israel. Uh, he recognized the goal on heights as being Israeli territory and uh, and took those away from a, a very uh, uh, what could have been a very destabilized situation that we've seen develop in Syria. He destroyed the physical caliphate of ISIS, which uh, Jared had said it was the size of Ohio. It's, uh, it, was, it stretched across the Middle East and uh, terror reigned uh, because of the caliphate. 
he brought justice to al-Baghdadi, who had uh, killed so many Americans, uh, Sotloff and Mueller and Kasich uh, and Foley. Uh, he'd put maximum pressure on Iran and, and cut off much of the terrorist funding that was going to uh, proxy wars in Yemen, in uh, Hezbollah, in uh, Lebanon, in Syria, uh, and throughout the region. And today uh, we have the, the Abraham Accords. And he's brought peace to uh, the Middle East, at least peace between the UAE uh, and Israel. And uh, uh, what I uh, have said is the president is, is often known as the greatest deal maker. And he wrote the book, The Art of the Deal, and he's, he's considered a, a great, great deal maker, uh, which he is. But I think history is going to remember the president for being a great peacemaker. He brought peace to Israel and the UAE. Uh, he uh, as, as signed a, uh, as, as diplomats signed a historic accord in Afghanistan. And I want to remind people that we haven't had an American casualty in combat in Afghanistan since February 29th. Uh, he, he used his uh, offices and his, uh, his pressure to stop Idlib from being overrun in Syria and, and brought a, uh, a, a ceasefire agreement when, uh, when Turkey had invaded uh, northern Syria. Uh, a lot of people said that when he came into office that there would be war in North Korea. But through personal diplomacy, his, uh, uh, has kept that situation from, from turning into a, a kinetic uh, uh, event. So uh, it, it's really remarkable, I think, when you, when you step back and take a look at what this president has done on the peace front. Uh, and, and it wouldn't surprise me. It, it'll take some time in this environment, but it wouldn't surprise me uh, if the president's eventually nominated for a Nobel Prize. For the time that this, today's work is an example uh, of why he would be uh, uh, rightly considered and, and should be a frontrunner for the Nobel Peace Prize. So I also want to compliment the courageousness of Mohammed bin Zayed, the crown prince. You know, there, there have been two other great Arab leaders, King Hussein in my lifetime, King Hussein and Anwar Sadat, uh, who made peace with Israel. And now Mohammed bin Zayed enters that pantheon of, of great, courageous Arab leaders. And I, I want to compliment President, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel, who was under tremendous pressure uh, to extend Israeli law and sovereignty to uh, portions of, uh, of the country, but is, uh, has stepped up against that political pressure to make peace, something that may have been politically popular, uh, but he, he put the interests of his country and his people first. And so I think we've got some very courageous leaders uh, that worked with the president uh, to come today today's uh, uh, tremendous historic accord. Stepping back from, from the, what, what does this mean beyond the historic uh, 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 idea of a, of a major Arab country making peace with Israel uh, all these years after 1948? It makes sense on so many different level, levels. Uh, uh, the UAE and Israel are both capable security partners of the United States and close, uh, close partners of ours in the region, standing up to Iran, standing up to Islamic extremism. Uh, that, them, the, the peace agreement between these two countries will encourage and foster cooperation uh, in, in those efforts. These are very innovative countries. Uh, Israel is, uh, is called the startup nation, and for those of you who have been there, it's, you feel like you're driving through Palo Alto, through half the country. Uh, the UAE is also a very innovative country. Uh, putting those two uh, nations together is going to create a, a dynamic of, of innovation and creativity uh, in the region, and they, the, both countries are populated by incredibly dynamic people. There are tremendous opportunities that are going to arise from this agreement. Uh, Jared talked about the idea of Arab pilgrims and Muslim pilgrims going to the Al-Aqsa Mosque. 
going up to the mount and having the opportunity uh, to pray in peace uh, in Israel. Uh, the, you know, as you know, the president has made religious freedom, especially religious freedom in the Middle East, a, center point, a centerpiece of his foreign policy. And this is a great step towards uh, uh, fulfilling the idea that, that the three great faiths that came from uh, the holy city, Christianity, Judaism, and, and, and Islam, uh, will be able to pray and, uh, and interact peaceably together in, in that beautiful city of Jerusalem. Tourism, uh, you, uh, with Abu Dhabi and Dubai and, and the other Emirates have become meccas for tourism, especially before the, the Chinese virus, the COVID virus. Uh, Israel is a, is a great uh, land for tourism. Uh, that'll expand trade between the UAE and Israel, which both have uh, incredible economies. And again, as we, as we recover from COVID, uh, this agreement will help the, the economies of those countries and the countries in the region expand. And I think you're going to see an increase in jobs in all three countries as a result of these accords. Uh, with respect to the peace process overall, we've got a great team. Uh, <clears throat> that team is going to be fanning out. We're going to be on the, working the phones. Uh, we're going to be in the region. And uh, we believe that there are other countries waiting in the wings that are going to watch and, and see how uh, the, the tremendous response to the courage of Prime Minister Netanyahu and the, the Crown Prince uh, have been received by their people uh, and by the world. And, I mean, I've, I've already been on the phone with a number of European counterparts who have called to congratulate us uh, for our role in, in this accord, but who are some of whom are astounded that this took place. And, uh, and we also think that this could lead to a great deal for the Palestinian people. Uh, so the, the, it's, a, it's a people that the President of the United States, President Trump, has not forgotten. And he's, he's endorsed a two-state solution. He wants to see the, the Palestinian people in a prosperous country of their own. And uh, the, the groundwork has been laid for that. So I think uh, we'll be working very hard on those efforts in the, uh, uh, in the coming uh, uh, months and, uh, and year. So again, today's a great day. It's a great day for the people of the UAE. It's a great day for the people of Israel, for their leaders. And it's also a great day for the United States of America as we uh, played a role that we've traditionally played throughout the world in, in coming in to mediate in difficult situations and, and achieve peace. and. Uh, and achieve prosperity for our friends and, and neighbors. And, uh, and again, I'm honored to be a, a part of the President's team on this. And, uh, and again, we'll uh, end with uh, congratulations to the President for his leadership and, and again to uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed. Thank you very much. Start with Steve. How long did Israel agree to suspend its uh, annexation plan on the West Bank? So uh, the suspension will last. It's going to take a while for these agreements to get fully enforced and to go. And I think that uh, right now the focus that Israel is going to be applying is towards uh, building this relationship. The opportunities that are now created because of this from an investment point of view, from an innovation point of view, from a health point of view, from a tourism point of view, and most importantly to both countries from a security point of view uh, are very robust. And I do believe that for the foreseeable future, uh, you're going to see both countries focusing on that. I also think that Israel sees a lot of exciting opportunity in doing what's being done today with other Arab and Muslim countries as well. So uh, that's really going to be the focus uh, as to where uh, we're going to be working with them. And, you know, one thing I also want to do is acknowledge the tremendous team that's worked on this to date. Uh, obviously, Secretary Pompeo has been leading the efforts. Uh, the vice president's been very supportive. And then obviously, Avi uh, Berkowitz and Brian Hook have been just tremendous uh, along the way, both to get to today and also in the steps that will likely come forward. Sorry.
Thank you, Jared. This is already, you guys are touting this as a, a good step forward, but the Palestinian officials are already out criticizing it. Um, if they aren't on board, how is this a, a good peace deal right now? Right. So, look, we, we they have a fairly predictable response that we've seen time and time again to all types of things that... Okay, I'm going to stop this because I only have like 10 minutes left of my show and I wanted to get into this. So you want to understand why this deal was made. So I did tell you about the railway that was created between uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia. The UAE is more of like a Hong Kong of Saudi Arabia. I want you guys to kind of think of it that way. Uh, Just think of it that way. Uh, because it's easier for then for you to digest what you're about to understand. Now, uh, the UAE trades with all nations. Israel, uh, because of the uh, land grabs that are happening right now in the Middle East, and as I've said, we've been drawing borders for Kurdistan. There have been borders drawn out for Palestine. There have been borders being drawn behind the scenes that no one is telling you about. I have. I've been trying to let you know. Now, what's happening with Turkey is not something unexpected because one thing that has been happening behind the scenes is that Turkey has been providing weapons to Iran. Now, uh, someone, because today we were going to talk about this because this was happening, and just like someone mentioned in the chat rooms, for those that are on a digital platform, uh, either Twitch, Facebook, Periscope, DLive, and then soon to be in YouTube after uh, we finish, uh, they mentioned something really interesting, which is, wow, Maria Bartiromo had the president on the phone in the morning, but yet she had no scoop. Okay. He didn't tell her about this. You know, this didn't happen from one day or another. So what is the importance of this? So we see a very big push of banning Israeli products across the planet, uh, banning uh, products coming from the Middle East too. So they obviously need to train, trade, train, (laughs) train too. They need trade. So what are they doing? They are fixing trade. This is something incredible. Remember, the UAE never even acknowledged uh, that Israel existed. The UAE never, ever even thought that, you know, if you were even assumed to be Israeli, you would not be able to come in. Uh, there was no flights that would take you there. You would go from Addis Ababa. Um, what other flight would I... Um, to get down to UAE, uh, you would come in, uh, sometimes you'd go in through Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Turkey, uh, you would never get any flight uh, coming in direct. So this is all happening because of that. In the meantime, this is happening behind the scenes. أنت مستعد أن تقود المقاومة اليوم ضد so this is where um, the Sunni Mufti of Iraq, right, is is discussing, and he's asking, are you willing to lead the resistance against the Americans to the Iranians? Sorry. In 2013, I was the first Imam to declare jihad against the Americans. And 
And he says, I thank Allah for the time I spent five years in American custody. Oh, so he was in custody. Who released him? You want to you want to take thoughts on that one? The Americans know me better than most Iraqis do. And are you ready to lead today? I am ready, Allah willing. If the government and parliament fail to get their act together, magicians managed to unite. So he's referring to pharaohs being the magicians that managed to unite against Moses. But you're telling me that the government and parliament cannot unite. Over something that pertains to their honor, religion, dignity, and country. And expel occupying forces from their territory. Do you expect Mukhtar al-Sadr to support you today, him and others? Today, 80% of the Shiites, uh, Shiites uh, support their resistance. As for the Sunnis, who are completely oppressed and neglected, there are men with more willingness to fight than there were in 2003. Because today, Sunnis like me, and he says, wait a minute, so 80% of the Shaits, right? And you, and you and your people, the Sunnis, that's what he's saying. He says, okay, fine, so you want to go to this war, right? So where are you getting your weapons to? And he responds, brothers, today there are countries. What country? Give us an example. What country would give you weapons? Any country. Turkey. Erdogan is an honorable man. You will bring weapons from Turkey and fight the Americans? Not me, he will. Erdogan will risk giving you weapons? He won't risk anything. He is a brave man who wants to support the people. Did you hear that? Oh, no, you didn't. I have to <laughs> read it out. But he would be bringing harm upon his own people by giving you weapons. No, he wouldn't. What? Expelling an occupier bringing, brings him harm? He would be expelling the occupiers and winning over the Iraqi people. Mm, are you getting their plan with the little blade going up? Yes, Sophia. He would be restoring honor and dignity to Iraq. 
Okay. So just so you understand, this was an interview asking about where they would be able to find weapons to fight the Americans. Now, you also have to understand that Turkey has been actively trying to push back against the Armenians. And Armenia can't afford to underestimate Turkey's expansionist plans. Turkey's involvement in conflict defines their typical behavioral patterns. This is how they are. Uh, they were trying to take over Syria, and we were talking about it for years here, how they're trying to take additional mileage, additional mileage. And Turkey's intent is to intimidate Armenia even further. Not only did they take most of their land and, and, and committed genocide, and it wasn't only the Armenian genocide. There was a Greek genocide. Do you know who's stopping their expansion? In order for them to be able to stay there, Russia has taken Turkey's moves on expanding and they advanced their weapons, their army that was planned for this September because currently they're at Azerbaijan borders and they have 150,000 soldiers and nuclear warheads directly warning. And guess who's in the middle of it? Russia. Russia is holding back Turkey from coming into and taking over our, the rest of the Armenian territory. And once again, the issue that people are having with the Russian military base in Yurmi uh, was a topic of discussion. So many anti-Russian politicians are underestimating just how important that base is there. It is very important that they have that base. Anyone that is against that base is suggesting suggesting that, you know, Turkey should take over the rest of the Armenian territory that is there. And Russia has set that base on Armenian territory to not allow Turkey to move in there. Remember, because all these other um, nations that are south of Russia, Turkmenistan, Zhebuzin, Kazakhstan, all of them are all parts and have factions of the Muslim Brotherhood. So uh, the, the thing is, the Russian base in Armenia is intended to contain Turkey. This is why Russia has been holding Turkey out of Syria too. So the more you see them crying, Russia, 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 is because they are falling back and they're holding their plans back to minimize damage. Uh, this is the way it is. Now, all I would say is, take a look at General Flynn's picture. Look at the coding on the third level of the picture that he has in his Twitter, and you'll see that it's almost identical to the football that the president of Russia handed over to the president of the United States. Now, for those of you that are on the radio, uh, we are about to go off air in 30 seconds. I will continue uh, a little bit of this uh, news for another 15, 20 minutes, and um, our, our, our amazing archivist, W. H. Tempest will be uh, putting that up there for you to listen to as a podcast later. And obviously, I will be putting this on YouTube later on tonight to watch it with you. Uh, so on that note, God bless everyone. See you tomorrow only on Red State Talk Radio.